Last week, Joe um, recorded a, a, a piece, just an intro piece from from that forest. He claims it's a forest, I don't know, small wood near him, where he goes, you know, to find peace. And I thought this week I'd, I'd come to my sacred space, my thin space. This is where I come to to reflect and to spend some time in solitude and quiet and generally just to sort of, you know, deal with all the things that are, are weighing heavily on, on me, as it were. Uh, so, uh, oh, hang on, I just need to do this. Yeah, so uh, that's that done. Uh, and now on with the podcast. So... So you recorded your introduction, your thin place, from the toilet. It's not really my thin place. I just felt it was more a critique of your whiffliness. (laughs) It's what I bring out in you. (laughs) I literally... Well, it's quite a thin toilet, as I remember it. It is. It's quite narrow, yeah. yeah. I had trouble fitting in. <laughs> you always do. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. Please. Uh, welcome everybody to episode one hundred and sixteen of uh, the Mid Faith Crisis podcast. My name's Nick Page. Over there is Joe Davis. Hello, hello. Uh, how are you, my friend? Well, yeah, okay. I mean, you know, the normal, but great. Hey, guess what? I have seen storks nesting. Really? Yes, and they've got babies. And here's a fun fact, because I know you love fun facts. Mm. The last time storks nested in this here United Kingdom was 1416. So it's a bit of a special event. Yeah. That's great. Is that uh, to a nap? It is is a nap. Yeah, I thought it was, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I've been having a nap, but I haven't been to nap. Um, well, that's very good. Yes, I've been out and about watching the birds and doing all oh, that kind of stuff. That's nice. Yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. Heard nightingales, didn't see them, and heard turtle doves, didn't see those either. But there you are. They're all around. It's great. Mm. Good. And so, uh, work? Busy? Yeah, really crazy busy. I'm just sort of hanging on to uh, the little break I'm going to take when we would have been at Lee Abbey. But instead, we're going to be Zooming the good people. Uh, so I'm yes. going to take that whole week off. Not that the Zoom is going to last for a whole week. That's going to be like an hour, one evening. But Yeah, yeah so we ought to talk about that. Uh, we are we are going to do a Zoom event. Um, I, I don't know how it's going to be managed via Facebook or something. Oh, you you yeah. know the technology. Yeah, yeah, I'm into it. And actually, okay. what I do want to say to people is you should have had an invitation or you should have had a reply confirming how we're doing this either with an invitation to zoom or to watch it on facebook if you haven't and you feel i've left you out do get in touch with me thank you okay and the date of that is oh well it's going to be at seven thirty on wednesday the 10th of june that is seven thirty british summertime it is yes if you're in the um colonies yes so uh, it would be great to see people from it would be uh, lovely farther afield Yes. But, um, I went to a, a, a virtual wedding at the weekend in Canada. Oh, good. Oh, and, great. Uh, both Claire and I got ready an hour too early. We, <laughs> we, got, we got the time muddled up. Uh, so it can get very confusing. Now, I should say about it that, you know, being a, of technological excellence that I am, I haven't really put a limit <laughs> on the number. Everyone's just been writing in saying, can I come to Zoom? And I've been going, yeah, of course you can. Great. Yeah, yeah. And so there's quite a few people 
So whether it is going to be Zoom or whether we're going to do it through Facebook, though, that, that's just a little conversation we're going to have before this podcast goes out. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, and we were sent a lovely poster, you and I, uh, as in one each. A oh, poster, really? yes, from the lovely Claire, who we know. And, um, and this is a Dave Hopwood poem. And she was getting one for her office and she thought we might like them. And it's uh, wonderful. Lovely. And I thought we okay. could finish the show with it. So, okay. Love so there's something you. to look forward to if you manage to make it all the way through the piffle. Um, yeah. It's going to finish with a, something good. There could be a high piffle quotient today as well. I've seen the running order. I think you described it as shambolic, I believe, <laughs> was the word you used to me. I, I like to speak truth to power. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I feel I've known you long enough, to be honest. Oh, thank you. Slightly hurtful, but thanks. Oh, was it? Oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> anyway. I was, I was actually being kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the kind version. Thank you. Yeah. Um, listen, thank you to everyone who has uh, continued to give to us. Thank mm. you. What lovely people, and especially the person who donated a price of a fancy cup of coffee, a truly fancy cup of coffee. So thank you. You know who yes. you are. Yes, and thank you. Um, and thank you for those people I've pestered with help for the Zoom meeting thing. Which hasn't quite resolved, but we're very nearly there. Thank you. If it works, it will be a miracle and we can stop having those discussions about whether or not miracles still happen. That's exactly. my view of this whole thing. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Feedback time? Yes, indeed. Okay. Mandy says, hello, Joe and Nick in commas, which I particularly appreciated. Um, I think we call those brackets, actually, in the writing world. But, oh. you know, you feel free to call them commas. He is so pernickety, listeners. Seriously, <laughs> this is what I have it's to... It's called facts. But anyway, carry on. Oh, I don't think I want to now. <laughs> so, so she says this. Uh, I never expected to hear directly from you because she wrote to us. I wrote back. How about that? What a surprise. Anyway, she says this. I've been a fan of the podcast since the very beginning. Blah, 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 blah. blah. Lots of blah, blah, blah. So thank you for that. And she mm. introduced our dear friend Dawn. And uh, and she also loves Lacey Finn Borgo. Who doesn't love Lacey? Is might be my question there. Anyway, uh, she says this. I must start by saying I love all the innuendos, which is why I thought <laughs> you'd like this one. She says I'm married to a urologist, so I'm endlessly entertained by euphemism and innuendo. What Aww. a gift! What a gift! So am I. So am I. I'm not married to a urologist, but I am endlessly, <laughs> endlessly entertained. entertained. <laughs> Seriously though, Nick and your blend of theology has offered me a perspective that my own beliefs, which evolved from my roots, born Presbyterian Calvinist Jonathan Edwards' descendants, in some form of mystical Franciscan reformed something or other, <laughs> could actually be acceptable. I love your orientation towards spiritual formation and hope to meet you someday through your Renovari work or on an MFC retreat. And she says, there have been so many things I've wanted to write over these last years of the podcast, but the series last fall on autumn for British listeners, the series last fall on death was particularly memorable. I'm a family physician, previously military, where I met Dawn and had my first friend die of breast cancer this past December. I had diagnosed her cancer, but did not provide her care during her journey, which was an entirely new role for me. She was a beloved member of our church, in fact ran the nursery. I experienced so many emotions in the two years of walking with her. The most shocking one, though, and I suspect you'll understand this, was my rage at the fear and denial that many Christians exhibited during her illness, especially as we neared the end. I'm not great at miracle belief, and in fact I sit better in thin places of doubt. I loved hearing how you all described how we befriend death and live in the doubt. 
I felt so much better with that perspective and was able to pray authentically at her celebration of life. Thank you for helping me stay in the thin place. I'm not as much an Enneagram 4 as Nick. I think I'm a 5 with a 4 wing. But his reflections did help me realise that I actually can enjoy these intense experiences because I'm okay with sitting in them. Okay, I'll stop. I have so much more to say. Thank you for the life-changing experience in your podcast. I will join you and Dawn at Lee Abbey as soon as I can fly without a mask. And that's from Mandy. That's lovely. Thank you, Mandy. Yes, I love that um, phrase you use there. Thin, thin spaces of doubt. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot to think about there. That's a brilliant. Yeah, um, really is. Yeah, yeah, thank- it's great. Those those doubts can be thin space. That's that's brilliant. Yeah. That's really helpful. Really yeah. good. Thank you, Mandy. And then I, well, I love this and I'm reading it all. Ladies and gentlemen, you're probably going to get an edited down version of this because that's how Nick operates, but I'm going to read it anyway. And she says this, lovely Lisa Lott or Lisa Lottie possibly uh, from Denmark. She says this, dear Joe and Nick, starting with something for the blah, blah, blah section, trigger warning for Nick. Don't you ever consider stopping your glorious podcasts? How are we, the by now totally dependent, craving and addicted listeners, to go on if you were ever to do so? The Mid-Faith Crisis podcast is literally my weekly going to church thing. My thank God it's Saturday time for exquisite nonsense mixed up with deep truth and profundity. Yes, profundity. I can hear Nick balking. I'm sorry, Mm. Nick, but that is exactly what the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast also delivers. In other words, <laughs> she says, I'm so deeply grateful for you two, uh, for the ever-growing mid-faith crisis flock of like-minded people and their wonderful and moving feedback. I cannot imagine a world without that spot of grace. Haven't experienced it in 115 episodes. It would be a bleaker world without you. Indeed, do not add more to a world already abundant in bleakness by considering in a distant future not doing your podcast. That's told us, hasn't it? I, t- I feel rather ordered Good. Who are the commanders? I think that's now. yeah. I think that's the sense. <laughs> she says now for some feedback, dovetailing into Gareth's questions about Christology in episode one hundred and fifteen, and Joe's lovely thought on keeping it simple and at a level of are we becoming Christ-like? Here is a quote that I find particularly apt in this connection: Have is thirteen fifteen to thirteen nineteen. Have is was a Persian poet who lauded the joys of love and wine, but also targeted religious hypocrisy. So good for him. And he says this. Once a young woman said to me, Hafiz, what is a sign of someone who knows God? I became very quiet and looked into her eyes, then replied, My dear, they have dropped the knife. Someone who knows God has dropped the cruel knife that most so often use upon their tender self and others. Now that line, they have dropped the knife, resonates as strongly as the words are simple, I think. And harking back to Steve's question, also in episode 115, about Matthew 13 and the apocalyptic language of hell and punishment, one can ask the question, if the sign of someone knowing God is the fact that they have dropped the cruel knife, how can God be understood as someone more than keen to use it? That Mm. question ought to be our guide in not taking apocalyptic language literally. Finally... Please tell Nick that I have recently finished reading his book on the Reformation and that it was a thoroughly enjoyable read. My grown sons and I loved the stats cards on the various reformers. What a brilliant idea. Laughs aside, it was such an informative and well-written book and it made history an enjoyable thing to ingest. Lord knows, as a theologian, I've read many books on church history and the writer who can make it both interesting and make the reader want to turn to the next page is a gifted one. I also found it such a relief that someone, Nick, dared be frank about Luther's many shady sides, potty-mouthed, cantankerous and horribly anti-Jewish as he, Luther, not Nick, was. With gratitude <laughs> and much love. And yes, to a Zoom meeting, that's from Lisa Lot. 
Leave it in, Nick. Leave it in. Oh, okay. So that's lovely. Very kind. Uh, She is very kind and um, and truthful. Okay. Mm, Yeah, deluded. (laughs) No, no. Anyway, that's very nice of her. Yeah, it's great, and uh, it's a good book. And it is a good book. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Rachel, who says this? A Rachel, as opposed to you know my Rachel. Hi, Joe and Nick. Hello, I'm a relatively new listener to the podcast and really love hearing the two of you chat. Yes, I'm interested in Zoom gathering. I feel I have a strong connection to you both. Nick, I grew mm. up in Oxfordshire. Great mm. roll right, then Min- Minster Lovell, then Whitney, then Leafield, and always resented the Ensham Toll Bridge. Went to <laughs> Burford Secondary School, a healthy loathing of St Bartholomew's, and my father-in-law was a director at Open Doors. Good grief, really. Wow. Mm. Yeah, it's like it's like she's your long lost sister. I know, I know. And she says, I'm "Joe, stalked." My... <laughs> I think I've been stalked. There. Anyway. She says, "Joe, my grandparents lived in Worthing." That's about it. Anyway, <laughs> I <laughs> I now live in Surrey with my husband and three teenage twenty-something kids. Your podcast has helped me so much in recent musings and a desire to be brave, vulnerable, and authentic in my faith walk. In the lockdown, I've walked miles and listened to your podcast, laughing out loud many times and occasionally shouting a very loud "Yes!" mid-walk. So please be encouraged if you need it. I truly believe that what you are doing is God-inspired and through your honesty, humour and insight, it's making a huge difference in my understanding. And finally, and here it comes, oh, Nick. Do we here need it this comes. again? We here it comes. More of this. No, really no, don't. this is the best bit of the email and don't make out you don't oh. love it. Nick, yes. your badly behaved Bible is amazing and transformative. I actually think it should be added to the Bible at the front <laughs> before anyone begins reading. But I think I've been taught that you might be smited by the hand of God if you add anything to the holy book. So best not do it for now. Anyway, thank you so much, uh, both of you. Massively grateful for what you're doing. And that's from Rachel. Thank you very much, that, Rachel. That, to me, is a quote that ought to go on the second edition, you know, what? on the cover. This should be added to the front of the Bible. <laughs> yes, that would Rachel. go down tremendously well in certain Christian bookshops that are still, that are still stocking still it without, without realising what it's actually saying. <laughs> Okay. Uh, people are very kind, and um, yes. Yeah, great. So there we are. That's bigged up, Nick. Okay. Uh, Peter says this. Hello, Joe and Nick. Thanks for your question, and Nick, on the Grace and Perry episode. What are your practices? By the way, how great is Grayson's art? Oh. Thanks for putting me onto that. Really. Did you appreciate- watch the last I'm, one? I'm, I'm halfway the, through it. Okay, with through. the bit Vic Reeves is yeah, very, very so good. good. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Peter says this, like you, I suspect I grew up with so-called Christian practices, which largely revolved around dutiful participation in the daily QT, use of Bible reading notes, church services, etc. I would tend to call these things religious practices, but not really whole life practices. I've learnt a lot from my Buddhist friends about bringing practices out of the world of religion and conceptual thinking into the ordinary lives of daily living. You quoted an author, Nick, who said something like good spirituality is what helps us to sleep at night. In a similar vein, the Buddhists view spiritual practices as those things that lead to liberation. So here is a supremely simple one that I've been experimenting with this week. Bear in mind our house is starting to feel crowded with Lucy, me and our three adult sons here since lockdown. So before I react or respond to what's going on, and I can tell you it's not always pretty, I ask myself some simple questions. This week's question is, does my response feel fresh or habitual? To help remember to do this, I have a single word written on the back of my hand. So far, nobody's asked what it means. Keep up the great work. Love and best wishes, Peter. So that's an interesting practice, isn't it? To whatever's going on, to stop and ask yourself a a question about your response before you respond. I mean, that's 
That's my response. Feel fresh or habitual. Or habitual. That's really good. That is interesting. I'm gonna, mm. I may have to try that. I could give a fresh response, but uh, I've, people <laughs> tend to sort of shy away from my fresh responses. Yeah, you keep your fresh response to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great thought. That's really helpful. Thank you. Okay. People. And then Kate came with a response to the Matthew 13 uh, question as well. Um, and she says, this, with regards to the query from Steve on the podcast, more than just God in a bod, in the book Love Wins, Rob Bell does in fact bring up Matthew 13 passage, but not in the hell chapter, but in the chapter, here is the new there. In this chapter, he talks about how Jesus was deeply connected with what he called this age and the age to come. He says the word age refers to an era or a period of time. He discusses how the prophets before Jesus talked about an age to come, which is when God's kingdom comes on earth. The age to come is heaven on earth, literally. But for this to happen, the earth needs to be cleansed and purged of all those things in this age that are destructive and damaging. The implication is this is what the passage in Matthew 13 is referring to. This would also fit in with your observation that the people initially hearing this story would have been undergoing severe persecution for their faith. It would be an encouragement to them to hold fast as the systems that oppressed and abused them would come to an end whilst those loyal to God would be vindicated and shine. I can see how this parable has played out over history but rather messily not in a clear-cut way. Another view I've come across is that Jesus would have been highly unlikely to offer an explanation for his parables and therefore this interpretation of the parables is in this chapter were more likely to be an addition of a later editor. This does rather lead into a renewed request for a session, if possible, on the historicity of the Gospels, both what Jesus said and did. Interested in your takes on that. My issues with the Gospels are Jesus sometimes comes across as annoyingly up himself and some of the miracles seem just too weird and morally lacking. The coin in the fish's mouth, the withering of the fig tree, etc. And do miracles really, really happen anyway? There are aspects of the Gospels I love and more. So when I find out about the cultural background they are addressing, but some things do stick in my throat a bit. Thanks for all you do. From Kate. So there's a lot of fodder for a, a few episodes in the future i reckon yeah very happy to talk about yeah. it. i think that's a good thing to yeah. to look at the the you know historicity yeah. of the gospels and all that kind of stuff yeah it'd be good yeah. I, I ought to say you know i came across this quote from Joni mitchell uh who i love and uh mm. she's talking about how to decide what what to do next as an artist or how to progress or what, what the next album is and she said whatever it was that i felt was the weak link in the previous project gave me my inspiration for the next one <laughs> and that's Sometimes how I feel about this podcast, really, you know, I look back on previous episodes and think, well, that was very weak. So at least it gives me something to talk about next time. And, and I do think with the uh, Matthew 13 thing, I did. What I meant to say was that didn't get said was that, you know, you can never take out what's called the scandal of particularity, which is that, that, that mm. Jesus was a, 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 a man at a certain time and mm. would therefore speak in a certain way. Yeah. And I think because, yeah. you know, we believe Jesus is God, we believe that, yeah. which will come on to yeah. we believe yeah. in his eternal presence, you know, we tend to think he, 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 he's not constrained by that. And in a, in a mm. way, he isn't. But actually, all the, 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 the words, all the style, everything is, is at a certain yeah. time. And that must affect what he says and how he says it. So, yeah, I think that's yeah. really true. Yeah, sure. Well, actually, thank you for saying that, because that sort of leads on to what I kind of really wanted to talk about this week, which is... You, you know, following on from that question about, you know, is Jesus God? You just realise you cannot give soundbite answers. And, and I know that was that question was offered in love and with a sincere and genuine motive and a kind of, you know, people really wanting to know what you believe. But oftentimes, and I think back to the time, you know, when I was sort of exiting 
the church and just to sort of I felt I was bombarded with questions. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think? And naturally, you you can't give a self answer. You need you need weeks of time mm. to explain the journey you've been on, the, the things you've deconstructed, and how you're starting to reconstruct. And also, when you're coming back to a place of holding mystery, you can't always give a good answer anyway, mm. because part of you is opening up to the divine mystery. So it's it's a really difficult thing. And I, I thought this week we could just start to open up some of the areas that I feel kind of post mid faith. I've got some new answers for or I'm happy to sit with no answers to. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Or to accept that I've perhaps got one or two ideas in a direction, but actually I'm confident enough that God is and that God is good and God is love that actually I don't necessarily need to know. Now, and I appreciate that if you're a minister of church, that's way too whiffly an answer, but I'm not. So I can I can hold those views. Do you know what I mean? Well, I haven't heard anything yet that makes me want to stone you. <laughs> oh, well, uh, let, let me see what I can I'm do. sure we've got a few minutes of the podcast left. So. Yeah, sure. <laughs> OK. Well, in those last few minutes, I'll, I'll describe my journey a bit. Okay. from. And it's really a journey from knowing everything about God. <laughs> to, oh yeah, okay. To, yeah. to not knowing not nearly so much. I mean, you know, when when I was young, and certainly when I was first a minister, you know, I did know everything. <laughs> you know, I knew who was right and who was wrong, and whose lifestyle God approved of, yeah, and whose yeah. lifestyle He didn't approve of. And I think I pretty much could tell you who was going to hell and who was going to heaven. And in some ways, I sort of miss the certainty. Of those days. It was nice being all-knowing <laughs> for a little while. Yeah. I quite yeah. liked it. I think it is a young thing, isn't it? You, <laughs> yeah. You're very black and white and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we love certainty, which is strange, isn't it? Because it's called faith. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it really struck me when you were talking about those council meetings that finished up in fisticuffs. Oh, yeah. You know, there's there's yeah. great because, you know, we had to get the dogma and the doctrine right. You know, we had to get everything right. And if we didn't, then, you know, I'm going to smash you in the face. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> and I sort of I suppose, you know, when I think back to that phase with some embarrassment, but I shouldn't be embarrassed, really, because it was a natural stage of development. It's a bit like being embarrassed of being a child. You shouldn't be embarrassed of being a child. Of course you. But, you know, I. I can remember as a young man, I can remember hearing about the bishops. I think it was the then Bishop of Durham who questioned the divinity of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking, well, you know, he's probably not a Christian. Uh, I guess I won't be seeing him in heaven. You know, that, that kind of shameful arrogance that you, you hold. I don't when... think he questioned the divinity of Jesus. I think he questioned the virgin birth. I oh, was it? Oh, yeah. That, well, yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. You know, he's not a believer. <laughs> he doesn't yeah, believe the yeah. same as me. So he's wrong because yes. I know everything. <laughs> That's the point. And yeah, like I say, it's important not to... Um, I really do think it's important not to dismiss that and or to diss it in any way. I've got, I've got a friend who... Um, well, he, he, he just has always described Jesus as his best friend. It's always about me and Jesus. I mean, it really is buddy Jesus. Mm. And I, I sort of... I respect... I mean, Jesus has changed this guy's life he's mm. absolutely turned this guy's life around he it was one of those dramatic conversion type experiences later in his life and it's like now there's nothing him and jesus can't do together now that kind of way of talking about jesus for me doesn't 
doesn't work. But I don't think it's in any way wrong for him. But of course, at one stage, I think when I was kicking and screaming a bit, you know, going through the very angsty stage, I did feel quite critical of people who didn't think the way I thought. What what is it that you f- you react against in that terminology? Because Jesus, after all, does say, "I no longer call you disciples; I call you my friends." So no, exactly, no, and and, and it's beautiful. And in fact, you know, I, I I think I've talked about my spiritual practice of walking with Jesus, where I imaginatively I do imagine Jesus mm. literally walking alongside and talking with me. So I don't mind that. I think I I think I sometimes find the the buddiness of it is that yeah. I've got God in my pocket and it follows me around and and I know everything about Jesus and he knows everything about do you know there's something about that which I don't know why but it kind of it doesn't doesn't feel quite right to me um so it wouldn't work for me to refer to my buddy Jesus in that way but what I'm trying to say is I completely respect that for him it does, mm. and with kindness, and you know, and I, and I, and I would, you know, I don't mind going up to him and saying, "What are you and Jesus up to at the moment?" No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say that with everyone, because no. that wouldn't be the language they would use. But you know, I can safely use that, and he knows what that means. And he probably thinks I'm a bit hippie and new age, and you know, that's that's fine. <laughs> so, so I think you know what what I thought would just be good to say is that. As stages of faith progress, or as you move through stages of faith, and as you have those questions, and you know, maybe you, you know, encounter tragedy. I mean, again, we've already referred to that season last fall when it was, when we talked about, you know, many times we talked about death and the impact of that. And as your faith tends to morph and change, and it doesn't feel quite like my buddy Jesus is walking alongside me, fixing all of life's problems, you know, actually. Sometimes it's just with you mm. in those parts. You know, as as your faith changes, you don't need to disrespect or feel embarrassed about or criticise those who are at a stage where you were earlier. But you know that you need to open up and change to be true to yourself. And I think that's 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 often a very painful experience. So when when I left the church... Oh, did the church leave me? Who knows? Um, no. When th- <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> when, when, when I had to leave the church because I didn't believe all that they believed, you know, that the loss of that felt so painful because that was like they were my tribe. I had so much yeah. identity. You know, I think I've talked before about being a big fish in a small pond. You know, it's, it was lovely, just that that status and that role and, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. And suddenly you're just, you know, put outside mm. and you've lost it. And, you know, that feels sort of, you know, terribly painful. But actually, it kind of does you a favour too, because it, it just opens you up to now go on to go on this journey and I think like I in a way I've returned back to well admittedly a sort of different tribe if that's what you want to call soul place tribe cult whatever language you use (laughs) but you know to to have a space now where actually you can come and we can believe perhaps perhaps our beliefs are a range of different things but the undergoing thing is you don't all have to believe the same way but do you want to follow in the footsteps Mm, of Jesus Do you want to become Christ-like? Do you want mm. to, to, to live and see the world as Jesus lived and saw the world? You know, that, to me, 
um, is the critical issue. Um, what am I trying to say? So I think that on my own journey of faith, as you ask questions like, you know, is it OK to marry gay people? Is Jesus really the son of God or, or you know, was he just human? As you answer all these things, those those questions now sit on a different foundation to what they used to sit on. A new idea of who God is and what God is. So, for example, to start thinking about God as being itself. I mean, that's a big enough one to blow your mind rather than a kind of tribal God who is a being who, you know, decides who's wrong and who's right and who gets to go to heaven and who doesn't get, get to go to heaven. And believing that God is more sort of along the lines of being itself gives you a profound new sacred view of creation and of all things because, you know, there's something of Christ in all things. See what I mean? Yeah, and it kind of circles around to things that were said in the emails. Um, you know, Mandy was talking about the thin thin spaces of doubt, thin places of doubt. And and so these questions can become a thin place of encounter mm. with God. I think that's very true. Um, I think as well, uh, uh, Rachel was talking about how, you know, can she be brave and vulnerable and mm. and authentic? And that's something yeah. we all want want to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the, 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 the thing I think we have to be slightly careful of, though, or the thing that I, I grapple with over this is, mm. yes, OK, we're now at a point where where you know we believe so much of it that we thought we had to get right before mm. God. We now no longer have to get right in terms of every mm. you know iota of particular mm. ecclesiology, particular doctrine, or whatever. Yeah. But I'm exercised by the question: What do we have to get right? Mm. So what? Where do those questions start to sort of drift yes, us away know, yeah. away from the direction of God? And and what I don't respond to is a kind of vague theism where god is just a kind of life force you know is that is that really what you want this is why christ and the the divinity yeah. of christ is absolutely vital to me because i yeah. think christ grounds everything you know christ christ yeah. for me is a is a point where everything is grounded where i can see what god is like where i can follow yeah. him and that's why i think the these are really important that's why i think in the podcasts overall you know i've come to sort of go into bat for the creeds so often because the creeds are this sort of tethering point the creeds in fact yeah. don't do much doctrine at all they really don't yeah, they just sure. say here here's where we hold to yeah um sure. I, i've just been reading a book by uh i can't remember the name of the guy uh john lewis somebody and it's a book called on grand strategy and it's about sort of mm. war and politics and these great big historical things and how mm. strategy happens and he talks in there about the need for uh to be tethered to principle. So, yeah. you, you know, you, you whatever you do, you have to be tethered to this kind of... The, your principles are, are solid. Otherwise, yeah. you will go completely awry. Yeah, well, I, I think I agree about that. And I, I guess I want to explore more, more closely the connection between beliefs and principles because, you know, like there are... You know, there are creeds that would, you know, really want to affirm things about heaven and hell that I would not believe at all Yeah. now. But I, but I still don't think that's that need be an issue because I don't like I've said many times I'm not sure how I'm not sure how important what we believe is I think what really matters is how we live you see it's I really want to push back on our behavior I know I know you do because I think it's absolutely vital what you believe what you're think, thinking of in terms of belief is just these kind of little doctrinal things 
you know, but actually your beliefs fundamentally what you believe about life, who you believe God is, who yes. you believe you are, yeah. govern your behavior. So it's crucial you you attend to what you believe in the in the broader sense. And if we start to say, well, I don't mind what you believe. Well, I mean, yes, I do. I do mind what people believe. I mind okay. what Nazis believe. I think that's very okay. important. Well, I'm going to push. You know. I'm going to push back on you as you have on me. Yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about the Christian ministers that rape their wives. Let's talk about those that abuse children. Let's talk about those that are serial fornicators. You know, let's talk. Let's talk about them. Then let's talk about friends of mine who are atheists, so they do not believe. In God, who care for the planet, who are faithful to their wives, who are loving and kind people. What difference has yeah, belief made? Yeah, but you're just using one little set of beliefs. You're there. using Nazis. No, no, yeah, but I'm saying, I'm saying exactly the the beliefs, the really deep, genuine, authentic beliefs of those people govern their behaviour. So the minister who is horrible to his wife, did he not believe Jesus was God then? Not really, no. Oh, well, Not really. Okay. How could, right. how could he have? Or else he wouldn't have been. He would have, beha wouldn't have behaved I'm... in that way. He, but you know, you're. I'm not sure there's... that's how it works. But you're talking about sort of doctrinal statements held by people, or or, or mm. and you've in fact talked about this before mm. about the fact that people, you know, are functional atheists that they that they yeah, say yeah. they say one thing and do another. But they're living another thing. Totally. But Jesus was entirely about that. Your your beliefs and your actions are are are. are joined they're one thing yeah so that's why i think that person okay that minister yeah. that this you know putative minister that we, we've created yeah. his 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 belief is that somehow you can just sign up on the dotted line of of the doctrinal yeah. confessional state and then behave like you yeah like as as you can now i would want to challenge that belief i think that yeah. belief is wrong Therefore, what what how he believes what yeah. he believes is really important because he's he's signed up to the wrong god, you know. And you've yeah. got to kind of challenge yeah. that. That's why I don't think we can just sort of sit back and go, well, you know. And I don't think this is what you're doing. But we did no. we, we just sort of sit back and go, well, whatever, you know. No, no, it's, no. it's all right as long as it's like when people say, well, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. It drives me mad. Hitler was oh, yeah. incredibly sincere. Yeah, exactly. Of course, he I, was. I don't want to keep yeah. helping on about Nazis, but anybody, you know, <laughs> but you will. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of criminals and, and misfits and horrible people are dreadfully sincere. You know, they're totally yeah, sincere. Yeah, of course they it. are. They're just yeah. also deluded and wrong. Yeah. The people who are destroying all the five G masks because they spread, you know, coronavirus yeah. are sincere enough. And and yeah. what's that? <laughs> just... That's their beliefs. <laughs> That's you know, their they, beliefs. They truly yeah. believe it. But so you, you you, what we've done, I think, at the church, which is the problem, is that we've, which is we've separated off belief. Separated and belief, which is what behavior. you're talking yeah, about. Exactly right. Exactly right. And and it's interesting. But I mean, just going back to the original question about Jesus and the Son of God, it is interesting that Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. Jesus as God was a title bestowed on him by others. That's interesting. We yeah, can come sure, back to but that we can come time. back to that. I, I don't. Well, I don't have time to sort of talk about all that now. But I think no, I no. think it is crucial for me that you know we we tether ourselves. I tether myself to the Trinity in that sense. You know that seems to me absolutely fundamentally true. Really. So you know, uh, yeah, and we, I do. Sure. But I I think I'd probably have a different understanding of what Trinity means. Well, I, I don't quite understand As what it means anyway. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think that would be very we'll difficult. we get a Trinity expert on. 
Get a, anyway, yes. but there we are. That's illustrative of the point, isn't it? And I think this has been a good discussion to have. And, you know, we never plan these discussions, listeners. This is just what happens. Um, to me, I feel like there's there's a stage beyond the surface beliefs or perhaps I should say what people say they believe to the actions of what they actually believe. And I think what you've yeah. just said is, no, Jesus was talking about what you actually believe not what you say you believe yeah yeah and i i think that so much of the dogma and the doctrine is about having a tick list say you believe this and you're in and absolutely and i think that's i think we're probably agreeing but we're coming about it from different ways now what do you truly believe matters who do you truly believe god is so for example i mean again just throwing in that other thing and perhaps we want to finish with this you know the journey for me from tribalism to universalism you know and doing funerals has really helped with this you know doing some very tragic funerals this week mm. you know i've done a baby uh this week i i've done oh i've just done some awful ones anyway in in, in these cases the people were not christians so there are some people who say, well, they're going to hell. It's mm. a shame, but, you know, God is God and the Bible's very clear and this is what it says and they don't believe this and then they're not, they're not going to heaven. Well, I can't believe that at all. I mean, I, I cannot believe that at all. And if that's what a line of dogma or creed says to you, that that's what God's like, I don't believe it. Well, you know, I just come back mm. again to the great emails we had earlier. Mm. You know, that Lisa Lotter's email, that Hafiz yeah. um, poem, The God... Who has has Drop. has dropped the knife? Brilliant! Yeah. That is so powerful and resonant. Yeah. And I think I'm with you. I don't. I know. I I believe now in a God who has dropped the knife. If he ever held it in the first place, you yeah. know. Uh, and and yeah, that exactly. that changes everything. I think. Right. So what I'm really trying to say in summary is: stay with us, folks. If you're still <laughs> stay with us, because these are exactly the questions we want to explore. Together. Sadly, uh, now I've decided Joe is a heretic, I've got to go, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Start your own podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> Start my own pure podcast, which is just me talking to myself. <laughs> Where you say all the correct stuff. It, I'm entirely correct, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. Um, so can we finish with uh, this from our dear friend, Dave Hopwood, mm. who you interviewed not that long ago, really? Yes, yes. I'll put a link to that episode uh, in the show yeah. notes. yeah. So uh, this is a uh, piece he wrote called I Don't Have It All Figured Out and is now a glorious poster that belongs to us. Thank you, Claire Jeffries. And it says this. I love life, but it scares me. I believe in hope, but sometimes despair. I believe in caring, but sometimes folk bug me. Some days I like them, some days I don't. Sometimes I think I'm winning. Sometimes I feel as if I'm losing because I don't have it all figured out yet. I want to smile, but often scowl. I long to be upbeat, but find myself complaining. Want to be understanding, but frequently judge. I want to help, but often hinder. Some days I seem to have all the answers. Some days I don't have any at all because I don't have it all figured out yet. I know what I think and then I don't. I have my principles then lose them. I want to fight for truth and justice. Then I want to throw in the towel. I know where I'm heading, then feel suddenly lost all over again because I don't have it all figured out yet. What a great poem. Excellent. Well done, Dave. Well done, Dave. We love you. 